This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to the following fine and faithful spoilerites. Joao Brasil, Eric Trevarthen, Silas Garrett, Russell Radcliffe, dude, he should be a professional wrestler, Sebastian Vermette, and that's his tag team partner, Brandon Lyons, Matthew Floyd, Jared Egan, Stephen Howland, Randy Mucha. If it was only one letter off, he could be Randy Lucha, and he could be, but he can't. No, you can't be in the Wrestling Federation. Derek Viger, Ben Action, Henry Laban, and Craig Borden. Each and every one of them is part of the Spaithful, Spaithful Foilerites. <laughs> and this one goes out to them. <laughs> the Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, to become a spoilerite, your tread must be light and sure, as though your path were upon rice paper. It is said a spoilerite can walk through walls. Looked for, she cannot be seen. Listened for, he cannot be heard. Touched, she cannot be felt. The rice paper is the test, fragile as the wing of the dragonfly, clinging as the cocoon of the silkworm. When you can walk its length and leave no trace, you will have learned the way of the spoiler. For the Major Spoilers podcast, it is on the air, young grasshopper. Welcome to issue 541 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading this free podcast that we bring to you each and every week that we love bringing to you. Let us get to some news. What's with all the Marvel teasers? Thor 2 trailer arrives. Desolation of Smog trailer arrives. And uh, we've got reactions to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny and find out where it lands. Right there on Thor 2. The trailers for Thor 2. Two new new ones. I think these are um, television spots Mm. uh, as opposed to theatrical trailers. Mm Mm-hmm. Thor 2, obviously, uh, the uh, Dark World arrives November 8th, 2013, mm-hmm. featuring uh, Thor mm-hmm. and Loki. Uh-huh. Thor. And uh, a little bit of uh, uh, Padme. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's all owned by Disney now, right? That's, that's true. Yeah. You could do the crossover. It's they got a rock roll. giant in there. Yeah. And some uh, evil dark elves. Rock, what, rock, you take rock, a look? Did rock, you take a look roll. at this? I did. I did. Um, it looks it looks good, and and I'll tell you what I like about it. It looks like it's going to spend a nominal amount of time on Earth, yeah, and yeah. mostly going to be kind of fantasy ish stuff, mm-hmm. which I think is where Thor is strongest, both actually both in the comics and in these movies. So I'm excited to see mostly superhero flavored fantasy action, as opposed to like flying around buildings and saving people falling out of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Zach, what about you? I didn't watch them. What? Because after Iron Man 3, I took a stand to never watch a Marvel trailer henceforth. Oh, that it gets super spoiled for you and because it made you mad. It did. It, all of the cool parts were in every one of the 47 trailers they release up to the release of the movie. And I was like, no more, Marvel. No more ru- ruining my enjoyment. As a total tangent, you know what movie totally did that to me? What? Lilo and Stitch. Every joke, oh my God, every yes. joke in really? Lilo and Stitch is in the Lilo and Stitch trailer. You don't actually need to see the movie if you see the theatrical I have a, trailer. I have a strange feeling that Frozen, the trailers that came out this past mm-hmm. week with uh, Kristen Bell is in that. 
I have a feeling they did the same I am, thing. I am so not interested in that movie. For whatever like, reason, I look I'm not at either. it and it looks like it looks like it actually manages to look blander than Tangled, which already had pretty oh, wow. vanilla looking characters. But here's the thing with Tangled. I remember the trailer going, man, this is a turd just waiting to mm. be flushed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it came out and I sat and watched it and the whole family is like, that's a really good movie. It actually turned out to be fun. a good movie. Yeah, so, fun. well, that's because the trailers bear little to no resemblance to what happens in that film. Uh, it's yeah. like, it's the opposite problem. Yeah. Yeah. So that may be in the, the in the trailer, here. she actually has like prehensile hair that does stuff. And I'm like, what, why is this trailer so different from the movie? And I'm like, I don't know. There are different guys doing it or something. In the aftermath of Marvel's Thor and Marvel's The Avengers, Thor fights to restore order across the cosmos. But an ancient race led by the vengeful Dark Elves, whatever they're called, the Malekith, return to plunge the universe back into darkness. Malekith. Faced with, faced with an enemy that even Odin and Asgard can't withstand, Thor must embark on his most uh, perilous and personal journey yet. One that will reunite him with Jane Foster and force him to sacrifice everything to save us all. His most perilous journey, because we've only known this is his third one we've known of so far. Yes, that, it would be it would be interesting if like his most perilous journey was into mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Malekith was the name of a Thor villain. Are they calling yeah. the villains? No, Malekith? no, that's uh, maybe the, just the I, way I think that might led be. by the uh, Venge for Malekith. I guess it there depends we go. on whether you say I, it's that's, a single person. That's or probably uh, interpreted as a group. Um, but yeah, Christopher I would say, Eccleston's character. Yes. Is it Christopher? Yes, Christopher mm-hmm. Eccleston. And uh, starring, Malekith was was a badass. He was he was scary as all heck. Starring Chris Helmsworth, Natalie Portman, Tom Hiddleston, Stellian Skarsgård, Idris Elba, Christopher Eccleston, uh, Attaway, what's his name? Uh, Attaway at ABC. Yes, exactly. Akini, uh, I can't I can't pronounce Akinu, it. Akinu, Akinu Rogers. <laughs> Kenny Rogers <laughs> as the rainbow. Add, add away, you bastards! You killed Kenny. <laughs> oh boy, Matthew, what do you think of this trailer? Uh, the one that I saw wasn't half bad, but it was also kind of done, done, uh, yeah, done, mm-hmm. done. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of that a little bit. I honestly, I watched Thor, the first Thor. What was the first Thor's little subtitle? Thor. It was just Thor. It was just Thor. No, it had a name. It was like Thor, flying hammer, dude. Yeah, it was. I it was that. Thor. Make sure you don't watch this in three in three D. Yes. <laughs> I watched. Actually, that I did watch that in three D, and it was not bad in parts. For, I saw 3D. it. I saw it in IMAX in three D, and I would have rather like the the first or like the scene where he fights the ice giants mm-hmm. was akin to. Like somebody pouring like blue dye into a blender yeah. and then just like <laughs> it spinning it. That's yeah. what that scene looked like. Yeah. It was just a blue blur. But the uh, cool stuff when you're flying over Asgard, you know, when it turns over uh, and all that yeah, stuff, that yeah. was stuff was pretty cool sure. in 3D. Eh, I'll, I'll probably see it when it hits cable. Does Disney own Epix? Because I think Epix is where I'm going to see it. Now, Disney owns Jetix. <laughs> Who owns Epix? <laughs> well, they might. I don't know. Oh, wait, that was a joke. Um, but Zach, are you going to go see this movie? Oh yeah, I'll go see the movie. I'm just tired of watching trades. I don't think they did it very much in other movies, but Iron Man three, just all uh, of see, the, the thing big is, eventually, were in there. eventually they do. Like that's the thing yeah. is, like they start after the movie comes out. There's usually like another trailer that will come out mm-hmm. that's like you still have time to watch the number three movie in America. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
so like and those trailers will be super spoilery oh, yeah. i remember like pirates of the caribbean mm-hmm. like the trailer that came out after the movie came out like immediately after mm-hmm. the movie came out was super spoilery yeah. so like if you didn't go see it the first week it's like oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what this movie is well, about. Well, it's it's more of that expectation that if it's in the movie theaters for a week, then we can write it off and move on to the next Yeah, thing. pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was at a BC? Yeah. Oh, wow. Epics, I love that guy. Epics is owned it. by uh, Studio 3 Partners. That's Viacom, Metro, Goldwyn, Mayer, and Lionsgate Entertainment. <laughs> Viacom. <laughs> they totally didn't create Bong. Viacom. <laughs> no, they you totally know, the didn't. Viacom <laughs> vanity card is terrifying. Now, this is yeah, another. Tuka, tuka, tuka. I used to work late, late nights. Used to run that and we night. used to play uh, Poltergeist the Legacy. And I'd be half asleep because it's literally three o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And then the Viacom logo would come on and go, bah! and I would literally jump out of my skin and, and pee a little bit. Is oh, Poltergeist the Legacy the one that has the same lady as Law and Order Criminal Intent? Or am I thinking of something else? I believe so. I, I know that they had a couple of episodes that guest starred The Undertaker. Uh, we are tangentilicious today. Yeah, we are oh, all yeah. over. When you, guys, when you guys describe something as 2 a.m. in the morning, at the beginning. do you ever get confused on what day people are talking about? Like Matthew said, it was 2 oh, a.m. Yeah, Sunday why, morning. That's why we had that argument over the summer over when that movie premiered because oh, it says yeah, yeah. Wednesday at, mi- at midnight. Well... That is uh, yeah. literally so Wednesday at twelve so one, not Thursday. Yeah. Oh, right. sure, sure. I mean, it, it drives me up the wall. I don't that know what has to do. that has always bothered me since we're on this topic <laughs> that yeah. people start the day at midnight. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mm-hmm. like, n- like the twelve o'clock hour should be the last hour of the day, but your like your phone, your watch, anything that's plugged into a satellite, okay, rem- like anything that gets information from a satellite. Um, will switch over to the next day. And I've literally freaked out as, like, my phone is like, you have a shoot tomorrow. And yeah. I'm like, I have a shoot tomorrow. Oh, you mean, like, you mean t- like the day after? Yes, yeah, like yeah. the day after. Yeah. Okay. That's the yeah. Especially if you work nights on yeah. the weekend. Because mm-hmm. you go into work on a Friday night. You get out Saturday morning. You go into work Saturday night. You get out Sunday morning. I mean, it's it's terrifying to go to work at 7 o'clock on a Saturday and get home at noon on Sunday and try and figure out where the universe lives because yeah. it's just not right. For me, it's like I go to work at uh, 7.30 on Monday and uh, leave work at 7.30 two Mondays later. <laughs> 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 so it's really confusing. Yeah. Um, I actually had a job where I went to work on Monday and got out the previous Friday. Well, that's what you get for flying across the international dateline. Well, that's true. Oh, hey. Here's some big news. Speaking of what's uh, that diverging from tangents, the major spoilers costume contest is now officially launched. Normally we do this in September, but I've just had a crazy month and uh, finally launched it today, October. Here's the way it goes. This year you need to send four or five, not one, not two, four or five JPEG images of yourself in a costume as a character. And a, uh, not an original character, not something you made up like, I'm Snail Boy. You know, that doesn't count. Right. Uh, so it has so to be actually, a real Snail character. Snail Boy is a real character. He's probably in the league. Um, but um, it has to be someone that we can recognize. You have to uh, let us know who that is. You have to get those pictures with your name, address, etc. to us by midnight, 11.59 p.m. <laughs> Central Standard Time on October 31st. Okay. To qualify, so you've got a little bit of time. Uh, three winners this year. Grand prize winner gets an iPad Mini, just like we did last year. 
So that's three years in a row that we've given away an iPad. Wow. I don't know too many other websites that do what we do. Almost none. And give away iPads like this. Uh, Runner-up gets that giant 12-pack Legion of Superhero action figure clubhouse set that Mattel put out. Uh, a couple of years ago that is now you cannot find anywhere. Wow. Invisible Boy is my favorite. Yes. And then the third place <laughs> winner will get some mystery prize. Invisible Kid. Somebody asked uh, Invisible earlier. Invisible no, Boy you're right. was you're one right. of I'm the sorry. mystery I'm sorry. You're right. Somebody asked earlier today, can't we just bottle Rodrigo? And I'm like, I've been secretly collecting his backwash. So, yes, third prize winner. They're they're working on cloning me. <laughs> this is, it's, it's working. 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 It's the scowliest nursery ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a three-month-old with a full beard. Oh, you know that shot in uh, Attack of the Clones when they're on... When they're, like, uh, pulling out and there's, like, Camino. all the clones. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah what, no, when they're on that one crazy planet where they clone everyone, they just yeah, show Camino. all... Yeah, Camino. And they just show them all, like, eating breakfast yeah. or whatever they're doing. If that, just imagine that with all with Rodrigo's face. full of Rodrigo's. And that's what we have in Rodrigo's. the basement of Steven's house. Eating bagels. Yeah. Major Spoilers in Costume Contest 2013. Going on now till the end of October. Nice. Enter, tell your friends, share your friends, complete rules and information over at Majorspoilers.com. And if you're one of our um, VIP members and you know who you are because uh, we thank many of you at the top of this show. <laughs> you, know, you know who you are because of the drain on your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> Man. And you all have cool names like Joao. <laughs> Out uh, this month, bonus tracks. Well, yes. This, this month it is Back to the Future. Uh, with Zach, Rodrigo, Rob, and myself sitting down to talk uh, that movie through as you sit and Gotta watch it. And a time. lot of people sit down and have been watching this. I thought people would just, man, eh, whatever, I'll just listen to it. Some of you do that. Other people are like, you know what? We actually sit down and play the movie and listen to your commentary track at the same time and love it. So cool. uh, nice. you can get that if you are a member over at Majorspoilers.com. Matthew, what is the uh, VIP site? Give us a rundown of what that is. Members. Uh, not a major, a spoilers.com. It's basically our way of thanking the regulars for all that they do. If you go there, you can get a look at behind the scenes secret footage. You can get like special doodly art. The thing that I love is I'm always behind on listening to Critical Hit. But since I'm on the show, I actually record Critical Hit. We record it in the dead of night most of the time. So I don't remember where I am in the universe. But we get to the little art tracks and the peaks of things that are coming up in the future when you're listening to the show where I go, Hey, do I, I don't remember this at all. And I have to go back and listen to the show and figure out where we are, which is actually kind of cool. Of course you get access to the secret bonus tracks to which I'm never apparently invited. Oh, you were invited. Matthew, last, last Saturday we uh, recorded a show. You should come over (laughs) and be a part of this. (sighs) There you go. Listeners. Sometimes when you go to our VIP site, and you look at the uh, drawings that Adriana does, you can think to yourself, could be that Matthew and I are looking at the same JPEG right now. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Romantic. Plus, yeah. you, you might also get access to major spoilers and live chats where Stephen also won't invite me and will laugh his maniacal mean well, laugh. I, you're invited. I you just have to be on camera. <laughs> I, I, who said that? That's the rule. Since, yeah. since when is that a rule? It's always been the rule. <laughs> that's never been a rule. Lies, lies, and prevarications. But mostly, you get a whole bunch of super cool stuff that you only have access to when you are a VIP member. Is that is that gold, silver, and bronze? Yep. Awesome. And you know, it's 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 our way of saying, hey, 
You know, we we like you. You are awesome. You're not more awesome than everybody else. You're awesome in a different way. And this is our way of saying thanks. All right. You can go uh, check out more members. Stopmajorspoilers.com. Um, I got a package in this week, Rodrigo. Cool. Uh, from somebody. From Whoa. the uh, great NATO. Oh, cool. And I think. cool. I think the October live chat will feature magic. <gasps> the gathering. Oh, that's cool, too. Yeah, not real magic. <laughs> Steven's been practicing. I have been practicing. Magic. Watch. Watch me make this scarf disappear. Wow. See? Oh, wow. Now, look. It's right here behind your ear. Oh, that was so cool. I do the it's coin. A di- it's a different color, too. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, still That's working on that. great magic. Uh, but, yeah, on the next uh, Major Spoilers live chat in October, we need to pick the date. If we can get Rob, I think maybe you and Rob can play some magic while oh. we chat with... Uh, with the $10 a month subscribers, our cool. gold members. All right. Uh, let us get to some reviews while we are here. You know, we probably would be able to hear him better if we had a pair of tweaked audio <laughs> headphones <laughs> from our friends over at tweakedaudio.com. That, or if Matthew was a little bit closer to the microphone. Um, but tweaked audio, tweakedaudio.com is where you want to go to get um, really great sounding headphones. I had to use my wife's pair of headphones again tonight mm-hmm. because I leave my tweaked audios at work because that's where I listen to podcasts and do my things. I don't have to normally do it here in the office because I can crank this up to, to 11 and just rock out. I've gotten, uh, I've gotten into a bad habit of wanting to use my tweaked audio headphones pretty much for anything, for work and then at home, which means I always take them out of my work bag and use them at home. And then when I need them for work, I don't have them. And then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't do that. So mm-hmm. I pack them up, and then when I take a, take the bag to work and then come back home, and then I don't have them again. Yeah, I'm buying so, another pair of tweaked yeah, audio I should, headphones. I should go out and just get a, a different pair for I can my get phone a pair, and my iPod. I can get a pair that has a built-in microphone, so I went on my iPhone. I mm-hmm. can uh, answer a phone call, and then as soon as I hang up, I can get right back into listening to uh, various podcasts, mm-hmm. like Zach on Film, one of the many podcasts hey. in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Here's the best part, Matthew. When I go to tweakedaudio.com and when I enter the code MAJOR upon checkout, I get 30% off that price. Tweakedaudio.com is where you need to go. I want to get my wife a pair of those with the uh, built-in microphone so she isn't douchey uh, Bluetooth earpiece girl. (laughs) (laughs) His wife's obviously not in the room at the moment. (laughs) Actually, it's like the, we would have heard a loud frying pan sound. (laughs) (laughs) Quang! Oh, she's back. We have to stop talking about it. Uh, so this week, a uh, brand new book out from Dynamite Entertainment, The Shadow Now, number Shadow. one. Is this a Marvel now? No. This is Dynamite's now, which I think they actually may be oh, is it, uh, tweaking a little bit of nose uh-huh. at, uh, at Marvel. Mm-hmm. But The Shadow Now is where we take the shadow and we drop him into modern day, mm-hmm. which is always problematic with me when we take pulp characters that are specific to a time period and then yeah. shift them forward and expect them to have the same... Interactions, clout. clout, same interactions with the world that they had in the 1930s. And that's exactly what's happened here, except we're not looking at a, a different shadow. It's the sh- same shadow who's gone to Nanda Parabat or wherever the heck he's gone, Chambala. And he's learned the secrets to not aging. Mm-hmm. So he has essentially become the Highlander and is now his own grandson um, and has everyone believing that. Of course, he's got old operatives uh, who work for him or descendants of old operatives that work for, for him. So there's a Margot, there's a, you know, there's all mm-hmm. these names that a are the same, Shrevy. which is really, I don't know, stupid 
you know, <laughs> you know, here's here's the great granddaughter of uh, the Margot that I knew. Her name's also Margot, so it makes it very easy for me to call her Margot and have the same kind of relationship. Dumb, right? Yeah, give it a different name. Um, so then the other thing that we see that happens a lot in these books, and DC is the probably the worst offender of this, especially with Doc Savage. Um, when we shift those characters forward, we also have to shift the evil villains forward. Right. So, um, what's his name? Uh, the shadows, big, uh, uh, Khan, uh, Shawak, Shawan Khan. Is Shawan that his name? Khan. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sometimes it seems the most evil character in the shadow is the shadow, depending on what yeah, you're reading. Yeah. Or at least the most sinister. So this yeah. guy's been locked up for 75 years. He's old. But of course, um, he draws the shadow out into the jail cell, frees himself, and now he's the big bad. If we're going to do all this, <laughs> why not just leave it in the 1930s? I don't understand that. Except that now the shadow gets to play with technology, which kind of defeats the purpose. I think part of it is people don't there are those, and I hear this at the comic store all the time, who don't want to read a period piece because, quote unquote, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, I, I think it's it the does. same argument about people well, who are, sure or, they talk about Earth. It's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's, it doesn't matter to them right. because it doesn't take place on main DCU. I think, I think it would be funny if, um, if they were like, okay, we're going to do this new Shadow comic, and they line up an artist and they line up a writer and then, like, they start working the comic, and the artist is like, whoa, 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 I do not ha- know how to draw old cars. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, what can you draw? It's like, well, Trans Am forward. And it's like, all right, we're setting it in the 80s. <laughs> I-, I wonder if people would have that same reaction if-, if they were rebooting Captain America, and instead of being a World War II veteran, stranded in ice and gone through the- all these experiments, if he was a Gulf War I vet who got blown up over the Arctic... Well, the, and the, the, thing of, the thing about the <laughs> and thing now about he's only had twenty years that he's been in 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 stasis. Yeah, but that's the same thing. That's I mean, you're you're talking exactly right. When Marvel brought back Captain America, they didn't set his adventures back in World War Two. They set him in nineteen sixty when right. when he came out. Yeah, when he came out. But I mean, saying if they did that today, wouldn't people go? Wait a minute, we know that he's a World War. One but veteran, that's a different or, argument, or World though. War II I mean, hero, yeah, and that's why he that has this scaling, why he has this disconnect with being in the present time is because right, so right. much time has passed and he can't relate. That's not the problem here with the shadow because the shadow comes in and he's got this network, this inter network <laughs> bunch of of operatives um, that are feeding him information, and he's getting that information even when he's in Shambhala, and he's checking his phone. The, the technology is just is like not. His teacher is like, the shadow, are you checking your phone while I'm trying to teach you the secret of immortality? No. No. <laughs> no. So, other than the fact that the premise offends you, how's the book? Not very good. Okay. Uh, the art is one of those where it's like, let's take um, not really reference shots of well-known people and uh, just paint them, but that paint mm-hmm. effect that you know that they're looking at some kind of a reference photo of some kind, so everybody has this really dead look to their face. Yeah, kind of a mm-hmm. weird distance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what's, that's what's going on here. So the art is not very good, in my opinion. Now, some people might that's get That's because everybody in the book is psychic. Maybe. Because <laughs> their mouths never are open. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that yeah, there's nothing that goes on except for uh, Shawa Khan is now out of jail and is going to torment Shaka the shadow. Khan. Yeah, Shaka Khan is out of jail and wants to torment the shadow. Um, it's not a good story. 
And this is this is always what I'm afraid of. I had this conversation with um, um, what's his name uh, from Monkey Brain, Chris Roberson. Chris, Chris Roberson. And I was saying, hey, my concern is when you're writing Doc Savage, is you're going to bring him up to modern times. Well, yeah, I'm going to bring him up to modern times, but watch how I do it. If it's done in the same way where he's mentally, you know, trained himself to be young or found some serum to say young, I think it's going to have the same problem. I just think it would be funny if he's like, watch how I do it. And then he just like releases a video of him like writing it, but <laughs> he's like upside down on his laptop somehow. He's like, huh? Huh? Uh, there you go. I don't know. I like pulp heroes and the pulp times in which they were formed. It's very it problematic to bring them forward and make them work. We saw that with uh, Project Superheroes, right, Matthew? You really, I think you really need, for in order for pulp heroes to work in a more modern setting, you have to, a lot of the time you have to place them in a neo-pulp setting. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, I've been, I, I all of a sudden discovered the glory that is Mr. X. Right, right, right. You know, like a yeah. setting like that where it has a lot of modern technology, but also has a very pulpy feel. Yeah, yeah and I... I'm, I can only give this book two two slices of meatloaf. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a Shadow fan, you might enjoy it. But if you really hate when they bring creations up to modern times, I think you, you're going to have a real problem with this. The story could have easily been set in the 1940s. You know, could have easily been done. There's nothing in here that says that the story has to be set in modern times. That's it. Uh, it is out this week from Dynamite Entertainment. Um... Matthew, Quantum and Woody number four. Hello. From Valiant Entertainment. They sure are comics. <laughs> Someday I'm going to start a company, and that's going to be my comic company slogan. They sure are comics. <laughs> I cracked myself up. Well, for those of you who aren't aware, back in the 90s, Valiant Comics was a big, huge to-do. And then it went away, and it came back under new management. And one of the what we refer to as the Valiant Heroes or VH2 versions of the characters were Quantum and Woody, two half-brothers. Um, Woody, of course, is kind of a jerk. He is Caucasian. Quantum is super, super awesome and super together. He is uh, African-American. And they are brothers, and they're kind of like a, a wacky buddy comedy. The thing about wacky buddy comedy, and this is something that they've tried before, is sometimes it's very specific to the writer. So when they brought back Quantum and Woody with a new writer and a new artist, people who weren't involved in the original thing of the series, I'm like, I wonder how this is going to work. We're now up to issue four. And there has been a lot of wackiness. The boys have superpowers. They both have weird energy powers. Woody's are gold and Quantum's are blue. Uh, They have costumes. They're fighting against an evil uh, company I'm not sure if it's a company or a a sect or an underground sort of thing. It feels kind of like a conspiracy, honestly, of scientists who created human cloning in 1945, which is kind of cool. I actually find that to be interesting. Um, But they froze them all and brought them back in 2013. In the year 2000? No. But this issue reveals two things. One, I think actually this may have been revealed last issue, but I didn't read last issue. So it was revealed this issue. When they were kids, a strange explosion in their father's lab caused Woody to want to run away from home and apologize that he blew up the lab. Mm. Turns out it was actually Eric, Quantum, who caused the explosion. And Woody ran away from home because he didn't want Quantum's dad to be mad. 
which I think is kind of cool. Uh, throughout this issue, there's a lot of this happened and this happened and this happened. They use some of the same craft. Quantum and Woody was notable for in the middle of a scene, there'd be a totally black panel with uh, white lettering, kind of like Frasier or the original Clerks movie, where something would come up and they would it would be like kind of a, a set piece. It would tell you what you're going to see. For instance, on page six, this book has The Clone Saga. It's kind of a neat conceit, and it was used really well. Here, it feels like, oh, right, we have to do this because this is what Quantum and Woody does. Throughout this issue, there's some fighty-fighty, and we do get a reintroduction of one of my favorite characters, although you know, kind of a goofy character that I love because of its own goofiness, and that character is the goat. Right. The goat in this issue shows up. Quantum has been racing through the halls, trying to find Woody. Woody is captured. They're both there, and all of a sudden, they're standing. Quantum is standing face-to-face with 50 crazy clones, and they all have heavy weapons. And Quantum is like, oh, my God, I'm dead. And one of the guys yells, oh, my God, it's loose. And he turns around, and there's the goat. And we see the goat leap, and we see blood. Oh, so very much blood. And then you see Quantum going, yep, definitely running in the opposite direction. We never see what happens to the army of goons. All we know is that this goat terrifies the army of goons more than anything else in the world. I do like that. And I do like the fact that, you know, Woody has a moment and Woody and Eric are, you know, accepting of each other as partners and brothers and what have you. And the book ends with them literally sailing off into the sunset. And it has a really great last line because they're like, when we get back to land, I may have to borrow some money. And the last page is a picture that of the boat just kind of zoomed in. And it's like, actually, land's the other way. I like that strange narrative device, but it doesn't necessarily feel like they've yet fully integrated it into what they're trying to do. It really feels like there's some good stuff here, but they're trying to write a Quantum and Woody book the way that Mark Bright and Christopher Priest would have done it. Which, again, I get it, but then you ask yourself, why not say, hey, Bright and Priest, would you like to do more Quantum and Woody? Hmm. But, you know, that that's me being old. As far as the book itself goes, bringing the shadow into the future is just a bad idea. I mean, no, wait. As far as the book itself goes, it's actually not bad. It's awkward in places and there are some there's some transitional stuff some rough edges that i'd like to see worked out but it's interesting and like a lot of the new valiant stuff it's doing something that we're not getting from the big four it's you know it's fun for one thing it's mm-hmm. it's not something that everyone is driven by the death of a loved one everyone has to be dark and brooding and wear armor and you know have just crisis after crisis after crisis where their blood is curdled and everything that we know is wrong. Um, I'm going to go with three slices of meatloaf. Uh, the preview copy that I had had some some weird things in a couple of places in terms of word balloons that makes me think that hopefully that's not uh, actually going to happen. But all intents and purposes, this is a good book. I wish I want it to be as good as the old book, which was pretty great. But all in all, at least it's not embarrassing itself. It's doing good stuff, and it's doing something that we don't get a thousand other places every month. 
All right. That is out this week? That's out today. All right. You should totally buy it from Gatekeeper Hobbies on Tune Engaged Topeka. Rodrigo, what have you got for us this week? I read a comic book. Yay! Yay. Good job, Rodrigo. Rodrigo can read! Hooray! 300,000 shows in, I learned to read. Hooray! Almost 541. <laughs> 541 shows in. Unless you're counting all the shows that we do. Over then it's a lot, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, not, it's still not 300,000. Um, Plus, uh, you, can, you can take out any of the ones that I wasn't part of. because That's only like four of them. You're, like in, most, you're in most of these. Yeah, it's true. In any case, um, <laughs> yes, I read Resident Alien, colon, Suicide Blonde, number one. No, number two. Okay. Uh, from Dark Horse. This is, um, I actually reviewed number one a while back yeah, on the about show. A, about a month ago? Yeah. Yeah, about roughly a month ago. Um, <laughs> give, 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 or, give or take a few seconds. Um so um, the story so far, Space Alien is a doctor in a small town because he's hiding out from the feds, uh, but his the mayor of his town gets implicated in a murder, so now he's following the trail which has led him to the uh, beautiful city of Seattle, which of course in this book is depicted as like a rainy swamp. Like it's just like raining all the time. All it's the all time. Dreary. Um, so... Um, he continues to investigate, and uh, there's a there are little hints here and there. You start seeing some of the events that have been described previously through uh, other characters describing them, and it's interesting to see just kind of like the same events play out from different people's descriptions. Kind of, and they literally draw them from different angles, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Um, there's a, a little hint at a uh, bit of a romance between um our our alien and his assistant um and it uh it once again had a flashback to his planet which is always a problem for me because it's like like he looks like a purple man with like pointy ears and like black eyes and no hair right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they flash back to his planet he had a wife and she is like a girl alien. Like she has long black hair and is dressed. Yeah, like her her like the cut of her clothing is like a, a feminine human clothing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and I'm like, I mean, I know what they're going for, but like this is a pretty like straightforward sci-fi thing. Like I, I don't feel that they should be wearing like human fashions right. or like I think that his girl alien should also be bald. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I don't know. Maybe they I, finally started getting reruns of, uh, or original first runs of I Love Lucy. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, now, wait, do your, do your female uh, dwarves have beards? In Critical Hit? Yeah. No. Okay. In uh, fourth edition, I think, in, I think at least in third and fourth edition, they didn't. I don't know about second edition. I don't remember. But now they don't. Um <laughs> But, uh, yes. Other than that, uh, the plot continues to move along. There has been a second murder. <gasps> no! Shock! Yeah, so things are escalating. And, well, I guess the uh, the person, as of the spoiler alert, last page, the person who was murderized may or may not be dead. So there's, like, a chance for him to save her. But also... 
the chance for him to get implicated because obviously if he gets in there and tries to save her, if the police shows up, he's going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give this uh, three and a half slices of meatloaf. Cool. Art Um, still continues to be good. Art continues to be solid. Really enjoy the way the characters look. Um, Again, it's the sort of thing where halfway every time, halfway through every issue that I read, I'm like... Oh yeah, this guy's a purple alien. Like yeah. because everybody just treats him like he's normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually thought like I, as I was driving over, I was thinking about it, and I was like, "This is actually kind of what a Martian Manhunter book should be." Yeah. Like if the Martian Manhunter wasn't so powerful, because that was his that was his cover. Yeah, he was a detective. Was, he was a detective. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy is very mildly psychic. Like he can't read people's minds, but he has like an extra good read on people's emotions so i mean that's it's like a it's like a more interesting version when your character can't shapeshift into whatever he wants yeah, yeah. lift buildings and shoot lasers from his eyes cool uh city of seattle averages 38 inches of rain a year less than the city of new york does in a year yeah but the uh, city often averages about 228 cloudy days a year mm-hmm. between october and may that's their cloudy time. So if people are wondering how accurate the book is, cities, cities it drizzles a lot in Seattle. Though. Cities build up reputations like that, mm-hmm. whether it's um, warranted or not. I mean, if you think about it, you've have you been to San Francisco? Obviously, yes. you've been to San Francisco. Um, probably two thirds of the year, it's just incredibly sunny. Yeah. But every once in a while, it's like a fog of death. So of course, <laughs> anytime anything said in San Francisco is like fog of death. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, especially in Southern California, you have like the marine layer rolls in at mm-hmm. night, mm-hmm. and so it's foggy until about 10 o'clock, and then it all burns off. Yep. That's not the way it is every day, right? but a majority of the day sure. feels that way. So, um, uh, All that data courtesy of uh, welcometoseattle.com. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Although they should be, yeah. because uh, a lot of uh, comic creators live up in Seattle, or right. wish they you lived in Seattle. You should totally come and you should uh, you know, sponsor us. Certainly bad if something yeah. happened to your city. Would be a shame if uh, Portland yeah. got in before you. That uh, that their space needle you got is really nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying it's a lovely space needle. It'd be a shame. Be so going to get a visit from the NSA tomorrow. No the NSA. government shutdown. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're good. There's nobody we to say anything we want. It's the National Space Needle Association. Yes, it's no. A nice old lady with a big button, like a vest and a button that <laughs> says, I love the, the I heart the space needle. Yes. I heart the space needle. Oh, you know, we, you we were joking about uh, Coca-Cola because dinosaur. Or yeah, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola uh, triceratops. Coca-Cola yeah. triceratops. Someone actually sent in a picture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was Coca-Cola awesome. Coca-Cola triceratops. So now awesome. I want to see this, uh, someone to draw up a picture of our little old lady from the yeah. NSA. <laughs> With her button and pamphlets. <laughs> Save the space needle. Save the space needle. Space needle. <laughs> One hour ago, that needle Wasn't was struck a, by a, a bolt of lightning. <laughs> and it'll happen again. Save the space needle. Yeah. Like, has like lightning free since three seconds ago. Whoop, zero seconds ago. <laughs> okay. Listeners, get on that. Uh, Powerpuff Girls, number so one. Tangent. Yeah, I read that. Tonight is one of those nights. Yeah. yeah. I've been working in print this last week, so it's been really crazy. That's Gross. right. He's been all caps. To an extent, I've been uh, definitely serif all the way, so. 
Times Roman. <laughs> it was. Times New Romans. Are you sure not a cop? <laughs> definitely was. <laughs> uh, With the hint of Helvetica. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, don't go there. Let's read something comic sans something <laughs> to make a joke. You <laughs> <laughs> yep. I read Powerpuff Girls number one. Uh, I never watched this show. Powerpuff Girls? Or Powergraph Girls, because I'm confused. Powerpuff? Oh. Yeah. Too mean. I'm from Sweden. Shut up! Um, I never watched this show when it was on television, because... That's how tiny this baby is. I know. It probably was off the air before you were born. No, it it ran until... I just looked it up. ran until 2005. It started in 1998. So a year after you were born. It had about 72 episodes. Uh, I did not watch it, though. I I didn't watch a whole lot of stuff on uh, Cartoon Network. Probably because... Well, I don't know. Does Quinter even have uh, Cartoon Network? Um, Yeah, they do. doesn't have networks yet. Um, They're still watching the moon landing. <laughs> I'm a black and white. That story. I saw a guy all in Colorado one time. He had the original papers from the Kansas City Star of the moon landing, so I got to look at those in Colorado. That doesn't matter, but whatever. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Back to some Mojo Jojo action. Uh, yeah. So never read it, but IDW has been doing this thing where they're bringing back. Yes, they're bringing back Powerpuff Girls and yes. Samurai Jack comes yes. out this right, fall. Right. Yes. So I said, let's just not watch these shows, but just read the comics and see what these are all about. And this was a really cool first issue. You get introduced to Mojo Jojo and this monkey with a giant brain. Mm-hmm. And it starts out, he's like, the city's on fire. And the mayor's like, Powerpuff Girls, come beat this monkey up. And so they do. But Mojo Jojo, I'm like, he's, he's, I'm assuming he's a super, super crazy villain who talks a lot. Is, oh, yes. the, is the, is the yeah. feeling See, I get from this. That's, that's, that's the, what you're missing that's, out on. Yeah, that's the thing is Mojo Jojo has a very specific yeah. cadence to his Mojo movies. has a, a way that he speaks, and he speaks in this way. And that oh, is that's the how way he that speaks. He speaks. That's how he time. speaks. Interesting. So, yeah, and, I'm, and I bet you they, they obviously specifically write him so that you can hear him in your head if you're yeah, familiar, if you're familiar with, with yeah. Mojo yeah. yeah, That makes sense, because he has a couple of long, just mm. like monologues in the beginning, and then the whole like last three pages is him in his jail cell trying to figure out what he should do with his life because he comes up he's he's the smartest of everyone uh but all of his plans get foiled by these three girls who are apparently kindergartners did you know that yeah, that's they're, really they're young tiny yes. girls yeah they they're talk like, very well for yeah kindergartners. They're, they're pretty they're, smart they're you know got that secret formula x Elements. infused into their bodies oh see that makes sense because of the ending wow Maybe I should watch this show before I understand this well, comic. Well, the whole setup of Blossom, uh, what is it, Blossom, Bubbles, Butter, and Buttercup, yeah. Yeah. is that, you know, um, Mr. Scientist Man created them Professor in a lab. Professor Utonium. Yes, created them in a lab. Sugar, right. spice, and everything So, you nice. get, I mean, you get introduced to all the girls. They don't actually give their names. They only give Bubbles names. And again, I think it's because... It's, they you should be. You, you should know be, about the property. That is, that, is, that is interesting, though, because this game, this game, this book makes a lot of assumptions. Yeah, it does. Yeah, like it does. This, they're clearly setting this up for people who already. Yeah, because I would show. imagine that man, you could do something fun on the inside front cover of the book that gives their origin. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, you could literally quote the open, yes. which would be yeah. cute and hilarious for yes. people that have already seen it. Yes. No, totally didn't do that. It was the the first panel. The first it was like cover, like original cover. Alternate cover, uh, credits, and then the first panel is the city of Townsville is on fire. 
That was which again is a joke that, from the show. Yeah. No. Oh. Interesting. You're right. This uh, that is a problem when you make assumptions about your readers. Yeah. That's why Stan Lee was always like, right, right, we've right. got to give the origin of this character every but, single but issue. But to a certain degree, I mean, that just that may just mean that they're not interested in Zach. That they're, could be true. Maybe they're, not. they're actually interested in me. Yeah, and me. But the show, I mean, the show has been off the air for, I mean, new Six episodes, seven. I guess. Well, for, so remember eight, when, uh, 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 let's rewind years. the clock to when Rodrigo was your age. Right. And Friday nights was sent, spent watching X-Files, Powerpuff Girls, mm. and what was the other big one? Uh, Dexter's Lab, probably. Yeah, Dexter's Lab was going, I was probably, I want to say I was in like high school when the big, uh, or like in late middle school when all this stuff hit all yeah, the cartoon probably. network stuff yeah it probably would be i yeah. was early early to mid college years yeah so but yeah i mean obviously like i've i've always been this kind of weirdo so i'm always like new cartoons these are awesome <laughs> <laughs> what? oh my gosh cartoon cartoon <laughs> God. oh i wish i had a recording card inside of my device that records maybe i do <laughs> aren't we recording the show no, uh, but he, wants video. Video. he wants to the, get that, the face. Just, I just, just made like my thing. cool magic tricks, the audience is missing out yeah, when they can't yeah. see Rodrigo's cool faces that go along with. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's clearly they want, um, they want the old school. They want the, mm-hmm. the yeah, fans yeah, yeah. to buy these. Yeah. 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 And hopefully, fast forward now mm-hmm. to Rodrigo's age. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo might have theoretically, perhaps, a five-year-old child. Right. And so... Not that I know of, but it's possible. Yes, but your age group might <laughs> right. have some uh-huh. kids of their own. Right. And as we'll come up here later on in the show, uh, when we get to some Q&A stuff, this might be something like, I remember Powerpuff Girls. Rodrigo Jr. Yeah. You will sit down and explore the world of Powerpuff Girls. Rodrigina, read this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Again, yeah. show of tangents. Your mm-hmm. show of tangents. Yeah, That's the name no, of the title yeah. of this episode. Because that whole show of tangents. Uh, <laughs> Formula X thing yes. completely plays into the last panel. Yeah, Mojo it's, Jojo it's gets, yeah, it's, this is the last panel. He's trying to figure out what he should do with his brain. And he's uh, taught, is, is like their scientist dad. I knew there was a scientist dad from right. ancillarily seeing Professor weird random Utah. stuff. Yeah. He's like, Antidote X. I didn't know what that was. Right. He's like, oh, it's probably something scientific or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's central to a lot. Like, Chemical X plays a lot in, in the mythology yeah, of the show. Just I think, think of it yeah, as I the actually, unobtainium. I, I mean, I think that's what he means, because I had forgotten this, but I think maybe Mojo, Mojo, Jojo, Jojo was, was exposed spe- to yeah, it. Yeah, he was yeah. in a science experiment yeah. and mm. then escaped from the lab. Right. Yeah. Kind of like the gremlins. You know, right. you got an evil. You got, a, you got the... Powerpuff Girls, and then you had Mojo Jojo with right. his bandaged head because he can't cover up his giant brain. Good time, Zach. You need yeah. to go watch you some Powerpuff Girls. Maybe they I actually, should. It's, they actually had a movie that was in the show. Yeah. The, show's actually, the show's actually a lot of fun. It is. It is. It didn't deter my inter- enjoyment of the comic, not knowing everything, because mm-hmm. it's still like, really, there's a lot of punny humor when they go fight this giant uh, golf course monster who ends up being this really hor- horrible golfer covered in algae. There's just a hor- a lot of horrible puns in there, and it's kind of it's pretty. Is it was the show self aware? It was. Was it because this Very is really self aware of the whole? 
I think monster a week, and, and certainly a, a golf monster would be on par with the, some of the monsters mm, that they yeah. would fight in the show. On par. <laughs> good, good job, Steven. We see what you did there, Steven. Uh, um, it's not as funny when you call it out, Matthew. Uh, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, Zach, do you see what he's doing? He's turning us against each other. I think. I think the, in the best hopes that one or the other will turn evil. The best Enjoy episode them. of the Powerpuff Girls, in my opinion, was the beat alls. Yes. Is when yes. four of the Powerpuff Girls villains uh, joined together and they couldn't beat them, but also it was just full, just chock full of Beatles references. <laughs> yes. Awesome. And and the best joke from that is Mojo Jojo meets a monkey named Michelle <laughs> and then is like, oh, is this monkey's named Michelle? And then she like plays the piano and it's like, oh, Michelle's a monkey who can play the piano and her trainer's like... Yes, Michelle can play the piano, but someday Monkey won't play piano song. Play piano song. <laughs> Zach, you Zach need to go. has no idea what that joke means. <laughs> uh, Zach's hipstery enough he would know about the Beatles. So I like the Beatles. Um, yeah, I wonder is Powerpuff Girls on the on the Netflix or the uh, Hulu's or the it's iTunes? on the Netflix. They put a I bunch of Cartoon be, yeah. Network stuff. Like, I think the first, first season, season. It yeah. also has never stopped because when they stopped playing out on CN, it went to Boomer but uh, Boomerang because Boomer the kid and I watch it. We also call the channel Boomer Butt, but we will watch uh, Powerpuff Girls every once in a while because it's on channel two hundred and twenty eight now. I know my oldest has watched some Powerpuff Girls uh. on the i on the iPad, so. What's your uh, final analysis, Zach, now that we've spent uh, an hour, <laughs> an hour 46 hours. Puff Girls. I <laughs> liked it. And much like Adventure Time, it makes me want to watch the show. Okay. So I guess that's good for it to make me want to watch a show that's been off the air for seven years. Uh, you I give it three and a half seconds. Like it's a long time. That that's one it. third of Zach's life. Pretty much. Yeah. <sighs> I was not even in high school. Mm. Seven years Maybe is I was. nothing. I don't remember. I have a nine-year-old. <laughs> Seven years is nothing. Yeah, to you. To her, it's probably a lot. Yeah. She doesn't even remember seven years ago, probably. This is a three-and-a-half-slice meatloaf book. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're on the topic of cartoons, why don't we just get what? into the poll of the week? Week, 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 and a week, 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 week. Hey, it's a poll, it's a poll of the week, and we have one every week. <laughs> I am a leprechaun. Quick, beat him for his pot of gold. No, you're just supposed to catch him. No, beat him for his pot I'll of gold. Shine your shoes and kick your dog because I'm a freaking leprechaun. Um, so for the last three weeks, we've been putting kid. Kid Smarty Pants is up against Kid Smarty Pants. And <laughs> so the first week... Shine your shoes and eat your dog! <laughs> week one, we had Dexter taking on Jimmy Neutron, and everybody said Dexter would win, and the, mm-hmm. who would outsmart the other kid. Then we said, what about uh, Phineas? From Phineas and Ferb up against Dexter. Mm-hmm. And Dexter won again. So I'm trying to think around, who are some other brainy kids that we could put up against Dexter? Because, well, we could get to him. Zodon. But uh, so we finally come to another cartoon kid this week. Five. It's time to put in the girls. Right. See how the girls fare. And this week, uh, the two that initially came to mind were Marion and Susan Test. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. If you're looking for pictures of Mary and Susan Test, 
Oh, you need to make sure your safe search on because if you have not had your spit take quota for the week, you will definitely get it when you hit the submit button. You also don't want to look for Leela from Futurama. Or or for that matter, while we're at it, Kim Possible. Oh, Kim Possible. Anyway, this week, again, we're splitting the duo up instead of Mary and Susan versus Dexter. It's just Susan versus uh, Dexter this week in our major spoilers poll of the week. And there is a difference. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, they're identical twins. Susan's actually the younger of the two identical twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also the more conservative of the two twins. She has square glasses. And she's got a star in her hair. Yeah. Personally, I think uh, Mary's prettier, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you have that same problem with Fanti and Mingo, though. Yes. And the triplicate girl twin, uh, twins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Triad purple is the option. <laughs> so, Zach, who is going to outsmart the other one is it dexter or susan test i've know. never this heard of hard. either of these because i'm, I'm there. johnny test would be more along the lines of zach see that's the thing is johnny know. test he's actually too old for oh is he yeah johnny test is a little too recent for him to have cared about cartoons and zach isn't Can we just pick something where i know about yeah what it's hard about? talk about <laughs> what is what's what is, going on with your uh, here, chase a, rambler band here's a here's a poll of the week <laughs> Vampire See, Oh, a band first. that I know that Zach has never heard of. Ding. What band? The Hipster Rambler Band. The Hipster Rambler Band. They're so cool, so new, you even haven't have any. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't. It's like, here's a, here's so a, we can't even talk about something that would be right in Zach's alley. Here's a, here's a poll of the week for Zach. What is cooler? Like, square glasses or a mustache... Oh. Like tattooed on your finger. <laughs> Here's a question for Zach. Yeah, since so. he can't obviously he can't participate in this. Right. I'm gonna go Dexter. I don't know. No, I want to go the the girl because I'm tired of Dexter being an option. Yeah, w- Dexter. W- Dexter's kind of a juggernaut. It's very yeah. difficult to knock him down. Which yeah. is better, Eminem's first album or his oh, most wow. recent album? So I'm gonna argue that. his first album is better than the more recent Eminem. album. Which the one that. Which is most? I don't know. I didn't ever listen to Eminem. I tried to when I was little, but my parents wouldn't let me. Trying to it. relate to you, Zach. I know. Um, music. Eminem, I never really got into. It's something with his his, Zach, what his vocal patterns. I don't really like. I think his new songs on the radio is really just bad. It's just bad. What What do you prefer uh, in your music? A banjo or a dulcimer? A banjo. Say that again. Okay. Um, I would Zach's like to suggest like, Can I get a, some Swiss chard on a, my a poll of the week. Um, we're not done with Brainy Kid Scientists yet. But. I know yeah, we can queue it up. Sure, but uh, poll of the week: pumpkin spice, uh, uh, a Festivus poll, or just a regular light poll. <laughs> Which is better? <laughs> That'd be the Christmas, <laughs> be the poll of the week, a holiday poll of the week. Get it? Because they're both polls. Yeah. <laughs> that it's not as funny when you explain the joke. <laughs> well, no one you laughed. Sometimes no one laughed. I thought I went over your joke. heads. It's no. funnier. <laughs> now you know what Matthew feels like. No, you don't. Uh, Rodrigo. No, you don't. Who, because Stephen is not undermining you at every turn. Which smart kid is going to outsmart the other smart kid? Ah, see, I would. I want to give it to Susan Test, but I don't think she's. I I, I think that she needs that sounding board i think that yeah i think that part of the reason why dexter is able to accomplish what he does is precisely because he either has nobody telling him no Mm -hmm. 
or has to work around the problems that Dee Dee generates for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that uh, that sibling thing is important, but an unrestrained Dexter is actually a lot more dangerous and successful, I find. So uh, without her twin, I think she would not stand a chance against Dexter. Matthew, what about you? Well, I hate Johnny Test and everything about him. I've always hated Johnny Test. And that is really but mean. He's I sensitive. don't know why. I, I I literally don't know why. But that that song comes on. It's like the song is really stupid. And let me just say that I hate the title. I hate I hate that you can just be like, oh, what's a popular cartoon? Johnny Quest. Oh, we'll just make one called Johnny Test. I actually, I I think that is bullshit. (laughs) And I very rarely say bullshit on the show. I don't really have a problem with the show. I think the show's kind of funny. Yeah. But I actually hate the title of the show. It pisses me off. It's just. All right, old man Rodrigo. Yeah. Everything I'll make about sure to stay off show. Here's the thing. Here's the other thing. I hate Johnny Quest. I there are no <laughs> iterations of Johnny Quest that I like, but you know what? It was there first. Yeah. God. So check this out. <laughs> right? That was intense. No, it was because you mentioned Johnny Quest. Okay, so Dexter. Right. Redhead. Right. I'm going to say Jimmy Neutron Dark Redhead. Right. You can, eh, you you can, can say yeah, brown, yeah, but brown, no, Dark yeah. Redhead. Phineas. Redhead. Right. Susan and Mary Test. Redheads. Dr. Quest. Redhead. Yep. Dr. Venture. Uh, used to have red he hair. Used, used to have, have red hair. hair. What the is point it? Of order, Dr. Venture what is, is it with all these gingers? What are they secretly telling us? I, I think, no, I think that's interesting. That's a, I mean, when you made that observation, I think there is a definite pattern in modern pop culture to make your super geniuses uh, redheads. Lex Luthor. Used to have red hair. That's True. right. That's why I read that Lex issue. Luthor had red hair back in 1945. <laughs> Carrot top genius. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm leaving the show. Now. So Matthew, you went with Dexter just because you hate no, Johnny Test. I didn't go with Dexter just because I hate Johnny Quest. Test. I went with Susan because as much as I hate Johnny Test's show and and his dog and his hair, and the premise, and the theme song, and the identical twin sisters who are voiced identically. I'm just kind of sick of Dexter. So, (laughs) being a contrarian by nature, (laughs) I apparently voted Susan Test. I also voted Susan Test because I detest Dexter. But... (laughs) Oh, nicely done. But here's here's where the two have are very similar to one another. Uh, Susan same would be glasses. very yes, same, same classes. Nose. Both both redheads apparently. Um, they, they get their lab coats at Lab Coats R Us. Both very flat. Is Doofenshmirtz a redhead? Uh, he's no, got brown he's hair. Got he's got brown hair. hair. He's got right. like a little thing yeah. of brown hair. He's he's dark smart, also, also, he's not really much of a genius. Oh, he's, he's an engineer. I mean, he's like oh. Howard Wallowitz. Mm, but he's not necessarily chickens. a genius per se. He's very talented. Um. Susan Test has the same problem that Dexter has, in that Dexter has Dee Dee. Uh, Susan has, what's his name, Bling Boy or whatever it is, this guy that she's totally in love with. And every time that he's around, her experiments or their experiments or whatever she's working on usually gets set to the wayside so she can try to impress him, and it often fails because of that. So she has, oh, as she long is. as the... As, yeah, she is. I think she's 13, 14 years old. Uh, so as long as the... 
opposite sex stays out of both of their pictures, I think they could be evenly matched. And I think Susan would probably figure out a way, because she has a dorky brother, she'd figure out a way to deal with Dexter. Ah, experience with a dorky brother. Interesting, yeah, a interesting dorky, angle. dorky younger brother. Yeah. So, a talking dog. And a talking dog. And Dexter has Dee Dee. Right. So she would be able to deal with <laughs> dumb animals. No. Um, well, Dexter has monkey, but... Oh, yeah, there you go. So I went with Susan Test as well. Most of the people in the comments section did not. Mainly because of the comment that Matthew made and, and that Rodrigo made. And I didn't see I don't anything. even know what a Dexter is, Mr. I didn't see anything Quaker. important. Um, I'm just here to... Of people not liking uh, Johnny Tess, so they automatically went with the Dexter. Matthew, how currently have we... Uh, have our well, listeners been voting? As, as we predicted, so they have pretty much done the exact freaking opposite. <laughs> I'm looking right now. At 68 votes, waiting for major spoilers to update, 69% saying Dexter, only 31% leaning towards Susan Test. And that may be, you know, a question of Dexter's really, really super awesome picture. But I think it's also that's a the question only picture of, I could find that's good enough of Susan Test that's number one, not perverted, and number two, right. doesn't have Mary standing right next to it. It doesn't have Mary right in it. And that's that's kind of the thing. I would say that the answers would be different if Susan and Mary, who are generally a team, were working together. But then that would kind of skew the results. It's like, you know, asking whether Hawk and Dove can beat Batman. Well, yes, they're Hawk and Dove. There's, there's Ooh, like two of them. heard a great quote from Stan Lee today. He's always like, he, people are always like, so uh, Stan Lee, you know, people are always coming up to you asking you who would win in a fight. And how do you respond to those? And he goes, uh, here's my patent response. Whoever's writing. <laughs> we'll we'll determine who wins yep. in a fight between yep. et cetera and et cetera. So And you know what? Stan is a wise, wise old man. Oh man, you guys need to go check out this interview over on the Nerdist podcast with him. It is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Fantastic podcast with Stanley. Uh that I would encourage people to go check out. Nice. Lots of words of wisdom from that man. Johnny now, Test. Johnny Stanley. I would actually rather watch Johnny Bravo. So what? Is uh, Stan Lee a redhead in his younger days? I don't think so. No. Oh, okay. No. no who, are, who are other scientists that are redheads? Who are other geniuses that are redheads? Uh, this is starting to become Werner, conspiratorial Werner to me. was a redhead, I believe. Robert Oppenheimer was a redhead at one point. I sense conspiracy. That, wait, that, that evil scientist guy that Duck Dodgers fights. Yeah, that guy. Um... Brainiac was bald, but I believe Brainiac had blonde hair when he had hair. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. All right, listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Cast your vote. Kyle Major Spoilers poll of the week. And while you're over there at Majorspoilers.com, perhaps you want to go buy something. Click on, oh, I just bought a bunch of stuff from Munchkin. Got some new packs, some expansion Ooh, packs. Nice. I got my own uh, Zack Sack uh, for future games. You're welcome. Oh. How did I get it? I went to Majorspoilers.com. I clicked on that Amazon link, made my purchases, same cost, same price, same delivery options, just a little bit comes back our way and helps us do um, amazing shows. Not this one, but amazing shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network, and we thank everyone who clicks on that Amazon.com banner and uh, supports the show. Let us take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do a bunch of Q&A emails, things that have been piling up over the last couple of months. Uh, so stick around while we listen to Cat Halo tell us all about, um, what did he go to see? R.I.P.D., I think he went to go see that. So let's take a Ripped. listen. Greetings and salutations, major spoilers. Tis just me, Cat Halo, back again. I've got a few things to talk about, so I'll try and get through them as quickly as I can. 
Firstly, movies, or IPD. It finally came out here, and it's really rather bad. Not quite as terrible as I had heard, but it is definitely far from good. Cannot recommend it, which is a shame, because I generally really like Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. But now, on to bigger and better things. The Flashpoint animated movie, or The Flashpoint Paradox. This is a pretty badass flick. I've not read the book or any of the tie-ins, but I really enjoyed this movie. They made The Flash and Cyborg totally awesome. The action is solid and surprisingly brutal. I highly, highly recommend this movie. Now, on to even bigger and better things. Television. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I really like this show. It did an admirable job of setting up a Marvel television show, one that fits into the already established Marvel movie universe. This isn't an easy thing to do. This episode was filled with action and Whedon-isms. Coulson's stepping out of the shadow is incredibly funny. This is an intriguing start to a very, very promising show. On other television topics, I just want to say that I really also liked the Breaking Bad finale. I agree with Sack's review in that this is a five-star piece of television. No spoilers, but I think it satisfactorily wrapped up the entire story, left precious few plot threads hanging, except, of course, for Huel forever sitting in that hotel room, and it did a fitting job of just wrapping it all up, one of the best TV finales to one of the best TV shows in recent memory. And now, on to my newsy main event. I went to my first Comic-Con this past weekend, and it was really good. It was teeny tiny though, but at the same time it did have two of the biggest names in comics, and these are the guys I'm going to gush about now. Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. They are the nicest guys, though I suspect Capullo would hate being called nice. They took plenty of time with everybody in their signing booth. I got only four books signed, but other lads had dozens of them. When I got to the top of the queue, Greg had gone, presumably to the toilet or something, and Scott was very chatty and said that I could just hang out and chat with him until Greg got back. What an awesome dude. Genuine, enthusiastic, and sweet. They then did um, an hour-long back panel, but there were so many people who wanted to get into the panel that they put on a second back panel. This should have been the last panel of the week, but it wasn't. They put on another one at the behest of Capullo and Snyder. These guys are just awesome. Then came the highlight, for want of a better word. After the panel, I went to the toilet, as you do. I then realized that I was shoulder to shoulder with Greg Capullo. I waited an appropriate time until we were at the sink, and I thanked him for the day and for the art. I didn't make a single bata wine joke, and just the dude was super cool. It was... A, they're the first comic creators I've ever met, and it can only go downhill from here. And that's pretty much my, you know, nerd couple of weeks. Um, thanks very much, guys, for your time and effort. If you're interested in a full or IPD review, check out my Facebook page at Cat Halo Movies and on Twitter at Cat Halo Movies. Cheers, guys, and have a great week. Hey, Major Spoilers. It's Russ Cat from Ottawa, Ontario, Colin. And I just wanted to have a or make a quick comment about the Books of Magic. Um, I just actually finished rereading the Books of Magic. Thanks for reminding me about it, guys. Um, I love this story. Uh, this was my gateway drug into the Vertigo universe and everything Neil Gaiman and really was responsible for getting me back into comics for after being out for the better part of 10 years. Um, 
the best thing I can say about this book is that every time I read this book, I get something else out of it. Some other nuance of storytelling that was in there. Suddenly I get the reference. Um, I haven't read it in about eight years. And when I read it this time, I got the Legion references because I had never read, uh, read Legion before, um, listening to the site. So anyways, um, it's a great story. I love it. Hi, Major Spoilers. It's Pierce calling from Vancouver, Canada. And I had a question, actually, um, for the panel this week. And it goes like this. Um, my, uh, me and my wife just had our first kid uh, about a month ago. And the topic came up as I was speaking with some of my friends about uh, introducing them to things like, you know, my friends like, oh, you know, you got to start them off on the classic video games before, you know, you get them a new system and, and this and that. And it's something I've been hearing a lot. And it reminded me of a question of the day from a while ago that Matthew posed about things that you wanted to pass on in your geek, in your geekdom to, to your kids. And um, it's something I've been thinking about a lot, uh, you know, being able to strike a balance between letting him have his own childhood and, you know, introducing him to things that I like for mine, you know, uh, watching Star Wars and all this other stuff. Um, so I was just curious. I know that, uh, you know, Matthew and Steven, you have kids. Uh, so whether or not you had any advice for a new dad about uh, being able to navigate this kind of stuff. Um, right. So this episode, ladies and gentlemen, is all about Q&As, your questions, our questions, our comments, our thoughts, our ideas, whatever it may be. Obviously, Cat Halo is shouting out there with some uh, movie goodness. Uh, Russ Cat. I'm thinking that this may have been a really old comment that uh, either we've played before or forgot that I played before, but it was hanging out there, and I said, hmm, maybe better play it just for good measure. Mm -hmm. So some good thoughts of Books of Magic. Pierce, um, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, depending on when you're listening, a couple of years ago, decades, um, we actually did a top five episode on things that we would want to leave to our children, pop culture things that we'd want to leave to our children. Go check that out. But I think more importantly in Pierce's question was – what are some advice to a new dad and how to incorporate how much do you push with your kids into the things that you are into? It's a, it's a tough call because one of the, one of the main things that you will hear in my house of an evening, uh, other than, you know, Oh wait, are we watching this? Stop doing that yelling and Molly check your blood sugar is, Hey, you want to see something cool? And usually that is me trying to get the widget to come look and see something awesome that I'm about to put on the Twitter or something that, you know, I think is really super awesome. Uh, for a while, we were watching Power Rangers RPM. And then for a while, we were watching uh, Go Kaiger, the Japanese season. And for a while, you know, we were really, really heavily into several different things because Daddy thought it was awesome and she liked it. But there are some things where I'm like, hey, come look at this. And she's like, that's silly. Or I don't like that. Or I don't want to see that. So I think what, what, what has worked for me is when we find something that she likes, I continue letting her see things of that nature. Right now, what she wants more than anything is to watch all the episodes of Family Guy. <laughs> and I love Family Guy. And I, I take a lot of crap about it because I don't think that Family Guy is a horrible scourge on humor. I think that Family Guy is exactly what it seems to be, a bunch of people 
jumping around and trying to be goofy and not necessarily having a line that they won't cross. So I'm going to go and I'm going to have some stupid jokes and we're going to make stupid jokes about this and we're probably going to offend some people. I'm good with that. But I'm also not nine. (laughs) So there are episodes that she and I have watched together that I remember contain a less overwhelming, my wife is giving me a stink eye right now, a less overwhelming amount of inappropriate material because I'm there and we watch it together. And if she has questions, she'll ask me. I'm going to say, don't push your kid to like the same things that you like. I see this a lot with um, sports dads where it's like, we're a, we're a gosh darn uh, Denver Broncos fan in this house, kid. And you're going to love the same thing that I love. Because eventually your kid's going to, you're right. Eventually your kid's going to turn on you and become a Cowboys fan. No. Yes. Or worse, so, a Chiefs fan. And, and for a while with my oldest son, it was like, oh man, you got to love everything DC. Let's, let's read Superman and let's watch Batman stuff and let's watch this stuff. And he would go along with it. But then all of a sudden Marvel stuff started popping up. And then it was like, I have no son. Um, and you could, you could certainly take that approach, which would be the wrong approach. But um, I kind of like, here are things that I like. I like Batman. I like this stuff. I'm not a big fan of these Johnny tests that he's watching on the iPad or mm-hmm. if he's watching what else, what other shows is he watching right now? Oh, Gumball. Gumball. The other one that's the, the cat Chowder. He watches that show and I hate it with Chowder, a passion. Chowder is a magnificent show. It, it has its moments. I love but it. But overall, it's annoying. It is very annoying. And so that's I'm probably so, partially and, why and, I love and it. And I tell him and I tell him, you know what? If you want to watch those shows, you can watch those shows. And if you like those shows, great. Watch them all you want. But I'm not a fan of this stuff. So just like you're not into some of the things that I like, I'm not into some of the things you're like. But maybe we can find something that we can share and like together. So right now, what are we watching together? We're doing something. Oh, Legend of Korra. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, let's take this moment and watch Legend of Korra together and do that as something that we both like. And that gives us that point of contact. He still likes some Batman stuff and some DC stuff. I still like some of the Marvel stuff and things that he's into. In fact, there's a great video that I want to do. I need to do it before he gets too much older because then it's going to lose its humor, especially because it involves the second son. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I think the, the thing is don't try to push your kids into liking the same things that you're going to like because they may not. And then you're going to get mad because they're not liking it and – <laughs> you're going to come off looking like the the terrible dad of trying to force my kid and, to always and even, do these things. And even worse, a terrible nerd dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, can, you can definitely make sure they're aware of what you like as yeah, long yeah. as it's appropriate. Yeah. And that's... Oh, you know, so that's I'm not supposed to show him like Brazers.com or anything like that? Exactly. Oh. Or, you know, your deep love Can't of heavy fail. metal. But, you know, well, it depends because, you know, a diary of a housewife is probably okay. But the uh, <laughs> the thing that I have discovered is the kid will let you know if they're not interested. Because I have a love of the incredibly god-awful uh, Alex Lovey, Woody Woodpecker cartoons from the 40s and the 50s. They're hideous. They are literally ugly. They're poorly animated. They're badly voiced. They are not good. But they're a chunk of my childhood, and I like them. And, you know, seeing Woody Woodpecker skiing down the chalet, "Ah, you know, that's that's awesome to me. She does not like that. She wants to watch the uh, 
2004 Woody Woodpecker Saturday morning cartoon where everybody lives together in a house. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I hate that. I stand it. But she wants to watch that. That's her Woody Woodpecker. And I'm fine with that because that's that's her thing. The boy likes the modern Tom and Jerry stuff. And it's like, oh, are you kidding me? This is stupid. Let's watch some good cartoons. And here's the thing that was announced this week. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, was it Hulu? No, what's the, um, it's not Boomerang. Maybe it is Boomerang. Is bringing back the original Looney Tunes cartoons from the uh, 1940s and 50s. And well, they're going to be airing them in October. I think they do this every October. Yeah, it's, this is October. So they've got a whole block of shows of, uh, the original Looney Tunes stuff. And I'm hoping, hoping, hoping (laughs) that it is (laughs) the unedited, Frying pan on the head, right. gun blast to the face, to the face yeah. Right. Yeah. yipe as you fall, holding yeah. up the sign, cartoons. You, you, you want to sit down and watch the censored 11 with him? I don't want to, I don't want to watch anything that's censored because it <laughs> loses all of its meaning and fun. Mm-hmm. Have you seen yeah. these original oh, yeah. tune stuff oh, where yeah. it's that way? No, no, they're awesome. The, I, I watched the old them school. when I was little. Yeah, we watched Tom and Jerry, my kid and I, and she loves Tom and Jerry. But there are certain ones that she loves more than others. The ones with uh, with uh, the little gray mouse speaking the French where they're musketeers. Pauvre, pauvre pussycat. Another breaking story that came out of the Simpsons to kill off a character this season. <gasps> now, they've they already do done already? it. They did it with, uh, with Maude Maud Flanders back in season yeah. 11. But this year, they're actually going to kill off another character. Let the Whoa. character die. <laughs> no, don't die, Mo. Well, they don't they say have, in the article, and they haven't uh, let on who it was going to be, although they, they did say, um, uh, I'll give a clue that the actor playing the character won an Emmy for playing that character, but I won't say who it is. And I think everybody's won an, an, an Emmy for nice. their voice work, yeah. so that's uh, pretty cool. But So what character do you expect to die? Um, I expect them to kill the... Um, Doctor. Hey, I'm Doctor Nick. No, not that doctor. Oh, oh you're talking the, about the Bill, uh, the Bill Cosby, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Doctor Hibbert, Hibbert, yeah, Doctor Hibbert, Dr. yeah, Doctor Hibbert. Um, I expect it's probably Matthew said Mo. I would see that, but Grandpa, you could kill off Grandpa. Yeah, or mm-hmm. Barney. That Barney. Have Barney, you know, die and make a thing out of it because you could then, you know. Well, I, I don't know if they still do like long and involved arcs about Barney's alcoholism anymore. I, I you know, yeah, because you know, alcoholism just isn't as funny as it used to well, be. Well, and the problem with The Simpsons 1993 for me is, not, <laughs> is, is not that it isn't Simpsons as funny as it used to be, it's that I hate it when people tell me that it isn't funny as it used to be. I tried so to watch a recent episode of The Simpsons, couldn't get through it. Well, yeah, but you're, you're a notable curmudgeon. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you should track down an episode of The Simpsons called The Book Job. Okay. It's it's very recent and actually oh, is very that the one funny. with Neil Gaiman? That's the one with Neil okay. Gaiman in it. Yeah. Right. What about you, Zach? Who do you think they're going to kill off? Grandpa. Okay. I don't know. He's old. Matthew? He I, I'm going to go with Barney. Barney or Moe. Okay. Well, because us, uh, basically it's all about Homer now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll kill off Homer. Nope. Uh, let's take a, uh, speaking of uh, animated cartoon series, let's take a listen to this. Hey, Major Spoilers, Chris from Orlando, wondering if you guys had any thoughts on the Legend of Korra 2 season premiere. 
All right, so Legend of Korra now four episodes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the first uh, the first arc, and now we're into the second arc, which is all about um, the Civil king War. guy from the north coming over and trying to take over the Southlands. Yeah. What, what are you thinking on this, Rodrigo? Still holding up for you? Uh, yeah. Again, it, it really feels uh, like we are still building up to what is eventually going to be the meat of the show, what what the season's actually going to be about. And basically the um, the guy who from the beginning is all uppity and we expect to be the, guy, the bad guy, yes. who then turns out to be kind of nice, but we are still pretty sure to be the bad guy, I, turn out to totally be the bad guy. It was not very surprising. Right, right, right. And... When we got to that point, I was like, well, like, I sure wish we hadn't spent four episodes trying to very, very hard throw things up in the air saying, he's not the bad guy. He's not the bad guy. No way. He's actually the bad guy. Like, you suspected the moment he entered on screen. So is that really what's happened? I I haven't gotten to the most recent episode, Civil War Part Two. Yeah. I mean, spoiler, super spoiler alert here, guys. But, um, like, you find out that everything bad that's happened to Korra's family is his fault. Mm. Ooh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but I mean, that, and that's the thing. It doesn't surprise me, even though it's like it's like there's this clear pushback from the writer saying this guy who in most shows would clearly be the bad guy from the beginning is actually nice and he's a cool guy and he's okay, even though like he's doing this mean thing to the Southerners, but he believes it to be the right thing. And then they're like, nope, he's actually the bad guy. That's a shame. It really is. I mean, because again, the cool thing it about seems, season one. I think we're still setting up, like, I, again, right so now. So you don't think he's the, the big bad? Um, he could be, but it's it's hard to explain. It's kind of like how we kept seeing Amon around. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And you kind of expected Amon and maybe, like, um, the guy who was helping Korra out to Tenson. either be the same person. No, 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 no. Not, uh, not her trainer. Oh, okay. The other waterbender. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Like maybe be the same person, and right, right, then right. it turned out that they weren't. Like the, there was a lot of like little intrigues going on, and who's who's on which side, and whatever. Like in this one, it's like they introduce a guy who's clearly the antagonist, and then they spent the next two episodes telling you that he's not before revealing at the end of that episode that he is. Yeah. But I think just like the last show was all about like basically Korra fighting the separatists mm-hmm. the first few episodes are mostly her like catching triads and meeting mm-hmm. characters and stuff like that so we haven't gotten to the point where the the se- the season lines up okay and and we figure out exactly I, what the show's about i hope that's the case because you know season one of Korra, book one mm-hmm. is lightning in a bottle right yeah. and it's just wonderful if you guys haven't seen it you need to go see it we watched the premiere back to back we didn't watch it that night because you know, we can watch uh, commercial free mm-hmm. um, the next day. And so we watched them back to back and I was like, meh, okay. Yeah. And then we skipped a couple of weeks. And so we've got the Civil War Part 1 and 2 right. that are downloaded, ready to go uh, through iTunes. Got a subscription for that. And so last night, the boy and I sat down to watch the new episode. And I knew that there was another episode right after that. But I got to the end and I was like, I can wait. I can wait another night or two the, instead of wa- rolling right into the next episode. The real, I think, a big issue that the show has right now is that 
we still have not only do we still have all the characters from the last season who were introduced little by little yeah, yeah, yeah. and had little interesting things about them as they were introduced now they're all already here plus two of Tenzin's siblings right which are who, pretty cool who are very cool but just get thrown in here yeah like into the mix did of, we know about the sister i mean we knew he had they a mentioned sister, but... they mentioned her okay but we didn't see but her no the first we season. we didn't okay. see her at all and we didn't see her brother until Til like the very, the very last yeah. second of the first season yeah. um so it, there's just a lot of characters that they're trying to give treatment to mm-hmm. and we just end up not really moving forward very quickly at all yeah that's too bad. Zach, have you been watching The Legend of Korra? No, I'm I've been told by multiple people that it's it's worth watching still. Uh that it's definitely different than the first season. But no, I just haven't caught up on it yet. I think I it's absolutely I think it's, worth I think it's watching. All, I think it's I mean, on my DVR. There's uh, just it's it's worth watching just for the animation. Oh yeah. Like yeah. the fight scenes are <clears throat> the most spectacular animation that I've seen. Since this... like heart since like Golden Age Disney. Right. Oh, I mean, right. It's, yeah, it's really good. And there's this one bit in uh, episode three where they're on top of the waterfall, and uh, what's the older brother's name um, of Tenzin's older brother? Oh, Boomy. Boomy. He's like, "Hey, let's just jump down here," and he's jumping, and they're like, "Oh no, you'll slip. Let's walk." And they're like, "Come on, you're two air, you're two benders. You guys should be able to handle this." And this moment where Tenzin's using his air bending to right. descend, and the sister's using her water bending to descend is just. I'm watching that scene. I was like, for that one shot. This is beautifully executed. Oh, yeah. And from that animation standpoint, Zach, this is a good, good show to look for animation. This isn't a 12 frame a second mm-hmm. piece of Flintstones crap. <laughs> I mean, this is good stuff. I mean, I was way behind on Korra last year. Like, I I don't think I started watching until it was over. So I played catch up on that. So I'll probably end up doing the same thing for this oh, season. Yeah. That's is, okay how many too. episodes is it? Eight or ten? This season, this season's actually going to be like be twenty long, episodes. Oh, is it? Yeah, because when they got renewed, they actually renewed them for a full-on season. So it's yeah, like yeah. twenty-two, I think. Yeah. I say. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So I want to see them play through the first, all the books. The first season was, I think, thirteen or less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, like it was pretty small. Do you think they'll go four they'll books? Go four, you think four books like they did with? Aang? I, th- I think they will. If this season holds up, then yeah, yeah they will. So, Matthew, cool. you've been watching Korra. Oh, no, I've never seen an episode of Korra. Oh, man, you should watch it. The it's animation good. is wonderful. It's beautiful. Not that 12 frame. I didn't watch Avatar until all three episodes were in the can, and then oh, I watched yeah. them all at once. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would definitely, if you want to sit down, sit down and watch the first season of Avatar, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, oh, Legend like of Korra. Korra, yeah. Korra, I, Korra I th- just that first season was better than almost anything I saw from Aang. Like, Aang was good, but I love that first <laughs> I think um, Avatar, The Last Airbender... Is a is a very different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's yeah, a little yeah. it's a little journey story about three friends. And Legend of Korra is kind of like a smash World you building, in the face, mm-hmm. like epic, um, yeah, deep character development stuff. Not saying that Aang didn't have character. No, development. no, it had tons of character. Yeah, but but it developed. It basically developed four. It, um, Avatar: The Last Airbender developed four characters over like three seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Legend of Korra tries very hard to develop ten characters in the span four of episodes. If, uh, four <laughs> episodes. <laughs> All right, there you go for that. Let us uh, take a listen to Andreas and a thought he had after our uh, most recent episode of The Killing Joke. Hello, Major Spoilers. This is Andreas calling from the far side of the world. This week, to thank you for an excellent Killing Joke episode. This was very interesting to me, as it is 
one of the first episodes in years where I haven't completely agreed with everything Matthew, Matthew says. Sorry. Um, you talked a little about the camera. Is, is there a camera in the killing table? Isn't there a camera? Well, in more, in more occasions than one, you see actually lens flares. And in one of the Joker's flashbacks, there's actually a little lens fly. So I think it's pretty obvious that the killing joke is told through a camera. Another interesting thing my wife pointed out to me the other day is that the first three panels are almost a complete mirroring of the last three panels. So there's a lot of talk about. There's a lot to talk about, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's all for this week. Yeah. See you soon. I guess I had not looked. Did you guys go back and look to see about the um, this lens flare and how the the first three panels of the book mirror the last three panels of the book and how there uh-huh. seems to be some kind of a lens thing going on throughout the book in the flashbacks? Hmm. Yeah, and it's I mean it's definitely something that you could put in there. You can see. I I, fe- I felt like it was very evocative of Watchmen. Actually, mm. uh, the first the the cover is the first panel. And then the second oh, panel yeah, yeah. goes directly. And I felt like it was kind of like that because, you know, in, I think in the 25th anniversary version, they had like that first panel blown up inside the cover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, it kind of goes from there on in. What I found interesting is a lot of the comments that we had after that episode of people were like, oh, that's just Grant Morrison pulling his Grant Morrison crap to do whatever crap that Grant Morrison does, blah, 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 blah. But what I found interesting was that. Rodrigo's first take of a killing joke years ago was your yep. interpretation that Batman killed the Joker. As uh, old- no, I hadn't read it years ago. Oh, this okay. was the this first, was the first time, time I actually oh, okay. read it. And okay. I was like, oh, yeah, Batman totally kills the Joker. But did you go into that knowing the Grant Morrison? No, no, no. Oh, no, okay. I don't. I don't read comic book <laughs> websites. As an old dude, Morrison isn't the first person to espouse that theory. I mean, I've heard that as as late as going all the way back to the 90s when the book came out. But I think Morrison saying it is something that people feel carries weight as ah, though okay. Morrison being a professional creator somehow has a secret window into the mind of Alan Moore that, you know, we peons on the floor don't necessarily. Because I can't recall ever having, you know, a high profile creator espousing that particular view. But I've heard it before, usually from schmucks. It's usually the same schmucks who tell me that Batman is perfect because, you know, he's just a guy. He doesn't have any superpowers, you but know, he I can think totally kill Galactus. I think so. I forget who just recently was kind of saying, yeah, you really can't say that Batman's just a guy anymore because he has come back from the dead and journeyed through time and done all these things mm-hmm. that a normal person sure. couldn't do. So therefore, Batman is no longer human, but he is... Maybe not the same. He is a superhero in the terms that Wonder Woman and Superman are superheroes. He's no longer your average man. He's a billionaire genius ninja and has been since the 40s. He's never been just an average man. And if you go back to those books in the 40s and 50s, the point is not that he's just an average man. It's that he's a paragon. He's a two-fisted, virtuous, ultra, super awesome guy that even though he's a vigilante, the police love him because he's so straight up and, you know, he's working on the side of right and goodness and he also has billions of dollars in his pocket. Batman has never been anything less than a superhero as far as I'm concerned. 
but that doesn't mean he's bad. I think the only people who that says really Batman's hurt, bad. The only people that really hurt only are the people who only like nineteen eighties rappers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I I thought that Batman: The Dark Knight was pretty awful. I watched uh, part of the dark. What is the what's the movie with Bane? Oh, that's the Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. I watched about thirty that minutes of the Dark good. Knight Rises last night in Spanish. Because, oh my God, the actress voicing Catwoman was, oh, her voice was like liquid silk. And I was just listening to this and I, I, I got enough context to get arrested. But it was fascinating to watch this movie and to hear, you know, that voice coming out of that actress. And I'm just like, wow, it, to Spanish speaking people who watch this cut of the movie, I wonder if it's so much better and so much more awesome because of the the beautiful cat woman voice coming out of that woman's mouth it's a totally different experience uh it probably is yeah <laughs> i liked it uh, I, dark knight rises is not whoop. not the best of the three films batman begins i i was mm-hmm. like you know what i'm gonna watch all three of these movies over the course of three nights and just bang through them again got halfway through batman begins i'm like you know what this version is not very good either um, and I think, yeah. the, and I think, when you go back and look at just uh, the Dark Knight with uh, Heath Ledger in it, that's a really good Batman movie because mm-hmm. it doesn't focus as much on Batman as it does with people trying to cope with this crazy, insane terrorist mm-hmm. doing right. things to everybody in the city—normal people, mobsters, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, and notice none of those movies have an infallible Batman. Who is always four steps ahead? True, true. These they they have a very human character, and he makes decisions that people still hate. When you get to the end, and people are like, "Why would he do that? Why why would he leave?" Spoilers. Um, you know, I I like that decision because I think that that is a decision made by Bruce Wayne. But then mm-hmm. I've always hated the argument that Bruce Wayne is just a mask. For the real man, which is Batman, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's an argument. I think that's no, a yeah. way. I think that's a way of writing Batman. Yeah. I think right. there are there are but, writers who write it like that, mm-hmm. and and more power to them. But I don't want to read that story because Batman's origin is an origin that is entirely about loss, and that loss is about young Bruce Wayne and having his life destroyed and everything he loves die in his arms in a bloody street corner. And to say that Bruce Wayne doesn't exist because Batman is the real the real person, I think, takes a lot out of it. It makes Batman, you know, even more superhuman. It, it takes him away from all human emotion, from human responses, and it makes him into a machine, which I think kind of undermines the whole point of Batman, which is to try and protect other people from having to go through the loss that Bruce went through. I like, you know, I like. Grant Morrison's Batman in JLA, where he knew he wasn't superhuman, but so he, he wasn't always kill a everybody. jerk. <laughs> but he wasn't always a jerk. He wasn't plotting to kill his friends. He was rationally thinking, my God, I am outmatched. What happens if the Martian Manhunter decides that he has to come after me? I understand that. Exactly. That is a good moment for Batman. Batman fighting the White Martians alone because he's the only one who's realized that you can take them out with a Zippo. That's a great moment for Batman. 
and it makes him look really good and really strong even alongside the other heroes but it does reinforce the fact that batman is a superhero in a lot of ways in um, many ways the quintessential superhero got an email here from Derek who says hey guys i have a few questions i've been mulling over for a while first while i know you all tend to review single issues and save trades for the big talks what are your general buying habits on trades versus regular issues i was a trade guy but switched to single issues for a while i'm going back to trades to save money and space um I still buy a lot of single issues. Uh, and maybe I should re- rephrase that. I buy um, eh, probably on average five or six singles a week, mm-hmm. which is down quite a bit from when I used to buy like 25 singles a right, week. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because we get some review copies in, generally if I like a series now, I'm buying the trade. Uh, I'll buy a comiXology version of it, but if I want something on the shelf, I'll buy a trade of it. So very few physical single issues, more digital issues, and then trade if I want something to last on the shelf uh, years from now. I usually uh, buy trades of things that I can't afford. Okay. Like, okay. like you know, like you go back and – Your flash. Yeah. 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 Or the, the, the one that got me was I've been trying for years to put together Steve Englehart's uh, run on Avengers – that featured the debut of Hellcat and the Squadron Supreme. And those are, you know, late 70s Bronze Age books. If I want a decent copy, we're talking nine, twelve dollars yeah. a mm-hmm. pop. Yep. I got the trade of that because A, they're easier to find. You buy the trade, you get them all. And B, if I spend twelve dollars a pop on a 15 issue run of books, I'm down three large. I don't make that kind of money. I mean, come on, I'm I'm broke most of the time. Mm-hmm. But there are also things like um, if you actually go back and look really closely at some of the hero histories of the Legion, there is no way in hell that if I owned a copy of Legion of Superheroes or of Adventure Comics 247, that I would be dragging that thing out and scanning it. You're so talking some about of the them, single issues. Right. Yeah, yeah. Some of those you scans you see are actually from the Absolute Editions from trade paperbacks, things where if you own the book, and some of them I do, I own a Flash 123 in 2.2.5 condition. It's not a great book. I own it because it it was for sale. And I'm like, hey, I want to own a Flash 123. But if I want to read that, I go back to my greatest stories of the Flash trade paperback. Zach, what about you? uh, I still buy single issues mainly from... Well, I guess I not the main two like DC and Marvel because when I buy them digitally, I'm generally about a month or two behind, so they're a little discounted. So it ends up being I don't know roughly the same price or maybe just a little bit more than getting a trade of like Morning Glories or Chew or something. Mm-hmm. But if I'm getting um, something like Marvel, like when I cut up on Daredevil from Mark Wade, uh, I end up buying like the the trade of the first volume and some of the other ones because. Marvel books are more expensive, and they don't—they don't ever go down in price. And mm-hmm. I like that; mm-hmm. they go down in price. Rodrigo, I buy trades almost exclusively. Just recently, I picked up Volume One of the New Fifty Two Wonder Woman, which I greatly enjoyed. Good, um, but I mean, I very rarely buy single issues. Most of the issues that you'll hear me review on the show are review copies that we get sent. Mm-hmm. I, you know, almost never buy a single issue. Derek that goes sense. on to say, uh, second, you guys don't seem to discuss many works. From the Magnolia verse on the podcast, though I've seen reviews on the site, do you read much from him? 
Rodrigo, would you like to answer that? Oh, sure. I, I like Hellboy. I'm way behind on BPRD. I'm actually way behind on Hellboy as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like a lot of the stuff in Mike Mignola. We did, did we end up yeah, doing we Gotham did, by uh, Gaslight We too? did Gotham by Gaslight. We mm-hmm. did, uh, just recently we did the Hellboy. Yeah, we've done a couple uh, volumes of Hellboy. Um, There's a lot of comics out there. Like if you look at any given creator, we probably haven't done much of them. We've tried to hit a few fables, I think a few, if you look at the, um, if you look at the creators that we've re- reviewed the most, I would say Grant Morrison, mm-hmm. Mark Wade, mm-hmm. Mike Mignola, right, and um, Brian K. Vaughn are probably the four most reviewed authors I mean, we're, that we've done on this. How on many this volumes? Show. Well, how many volumes into Sandman are we? We're like four volumes in. That puts mm-hmm. that basically puts Neil Gaiman up there too. Yeah, yeah, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, we I think we read a lot of. Mignola all, all things uh, considered, stuff. given yeah. given given how many books we review, we actually <laughs> read a lot of Mike Mignola. It doesn't seem like it, but we do. Lastly, here's a question: With all the damage and crime in Gotham City, this is why I went to uh, this email. So we were just talking about Batman and, and how terrible Gotham is. With all the damage and crime in Gotham, why don't people move? Well, well, I mean, why why do people still, why do people why still do people live in still Detroit? Live? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting because they will be using Detroit as the location for the next uh, Man of Steel Man movie. Of Steel movie. Oh, yeah. There you go. I think the easiest answer is 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 a three pronged response. Prong one: a large part of Gotham's um, populace, for lack of a better word, are people who are part of the damage and crime. Because one person in three in Gotham City is probably a thug or a mook for one of the major supervillains. Uh, secondly, there are people who are like, I've lived in Gotham my whole life and I've never been killed by the Joker yet. There's always going to be those people who won't move. And third and most importantly, if you notice, Gotham gets rebuilt really damn fast, really damn often. The entire city was destroyed in, what, 2002 in the... Uh, the uh, cataclysm. cataclysm and it was rebuilt by 2005 Gotham City has an amazing infrastructure and a lot of jobs probably revolve around rebuilding oh yeah I'm, I'm sure stuff that the Joker blew up last week I imagine that their you know their infrastructure jobs are probably yeah just constru- huge. construction there's probably a lot of working construction going on in that city all the time sure. um, you know there are unfortunately a lot of people who are probably more or less trapped in Gotham right? Uh, because of their economic status. Right, exactly. When mm-hmm. you talk about why don't people move away from bad places, and that goes anywhere from just a city with a lot of crime to you know, a, a country where things are oppressive or right. anything like that, it's because they don't have the resources to move. You know, mm-hmm. you just, you can't make it to mm-hmm. even the next city over if you don't have a support network to mm-hmm. take you in, if you don't have the money to get a new place. You know, if you have a place a where you can, set. yeah, if you have a place where you can hang your hat right now, it's better than the, than just launching mm-hmm. yourself into the unknown. I mean, that's that's literally how it happens in the real world. So it makes a lot of sense that people wouldn't move out of Gotham. Right. And so the other question then is, why do people live in New York? New York's got crime, mm-hmm. right? right? Now, right. granted, they don't have uh, crazy, Super. insane people. Yeah, they don't have um, yeah, they criminal do. masterminds. You know, doing crazy. Well, they probably do, right? I've, I've, yeah. Trust me, I've been on subways in New York. They have crazy people. Yeah. So why do people still live in New York? Why is New York the center of the universe for people that live in New York? Well, it's a financial it's, interest that are there. Right. There are good jobs there. Mm-hmm. And Gotham's the same way. There are good jobs for people. And if you live and work and 
um, in the vicinity or the city of, of Manhattan or the island of Manhattan, um, you know that there are places where you want to live and there are places where you don't want to live. Mm-hmm. Right. And depending on where your, and again, goes back to your economic status is, places, you could live places off. Places you have to live. You <laughs> could live off Central stuff. Park. You could live off Central Park West mm-hmm. or you could live down in Slumville. Or you can well, live in New Jersey. <laughs> in, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Drive into Slumville. the city. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you also get to, you get the question of when people live somewhere, Sometimes it's a point of pride to live there. You know, I lived in, in Gotham City, but it's also a question where there, there are places where I'm not from New York. I'm from Brooklyn or I'm from, you know, Little Italy. You get to a point where maybe these people aren't saying, oh, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not from Metropolis. I'm from Suicide Slum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get that. And I think that there's there's certainly some of that going on. Because clearly, stately Wayne Manor doesn't exist in a bubble. There are some hugely opulent mansions mm-hmm. and you know rich people and old money in Gotham City as well. We are from High Park. Uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of perspective on that. Right. I mean, sure. Again, why do people live in? I mean, in, I, in, why uh, would Bangkok? Where, I think yeah, yeah I think there's anything. there's legit. You can look at legitimate. Real the that's one of the few realistic things about the the DC universe and you know all, all these too, universes yeah. right, you yeah, know yeah. people don't move up you know people aren't like there are tsunamis here let's move away from Japan like yeah. you know I mean right. stuff you know well, people and, keep living where they live Matthew mentioned cataclysm you know that was an interesting thing because after the earthquake people were trying to get the heck out of Gotham but mm-hmm. they couldn't and then of course because of the uh, the uh, quarantine because of Rachel Ghoul releasing the uh, whatever that was rabies essentially. They had to lock down the city, and they would force people to stay in the city. They couldn't escape. Mm-hmm. Um, well, whatever. I don't remember if it was even that, but it was something that was a um, an offshoot of of uh, rabies uh, it was virus. Venom was it? Venom? I don't think it was. I don't. It was um, but and so Scarecrow that forced people, in. that forced people to hole up in certain sections of the city, and even today Legacy in Gotham. It was more like a hantavirus, uh-huh. uh, H1N1 kind of thing. Um, that yeah. may have even been before hantavirus was a thing. I don't Probably. remember. No, um, hantavirus was a thing back in the 90s. Okay. Um, so, I mean, people who survived then established that this is my, you know, I survived, mm-hmm. you know, the, the quarantine of Gotham. I survived cataclysm. I'm and not moving. all I got moving. was this lousy yeah. t-shirt. All I got was this lousy rag. <laughs> I survived No Man's Land. Yeah, No Man's Land. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah. yeah. And of course, the racketeering Lex Luthor coming in trying to do all of his stuff, and he doesn't have to follow the same rules in Gotham that he does in Metropolis. So you know, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, the last little part of his question: What do you think is the population of the DCU America? Six hundred and fifty thousand. It's got to be pretty similar to. Yeah, I mean, like I don't, I don't million. see why it would be different. Well, I think he's referring to the fact that there are cities that don't exist. Right. And wasn't that addressed in one of the JSA J, uh, Avengers crossovers where oh, it's, or JLA it's been and they they pop into the Marvel universe and they're like, "Well, our world is bigger than this Earth uh-huh. because of, you know, that's terrible because of the different geogra- <laughs> geography uh, that's Well, there. it wasn't it wasn't quite that awkward. And it was written by Kurt Busiek, who, you know, you do love Rodrigo. So it came off a lot less awkward in the book. But uh, it's he Kurt Busiek has is 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 a uh, is really good like 
has an amazing way of writing really stupid crap sometimes and making it sound. It awesome. just sound well, as you're reading <laughs> it, you're a, like, nutshell, "This is said. perfect." And then when you close the book, you're like, "That was crap." <laughs> I mean, if you look at the, but, oh, was that that Avengers book that we read, like Avengers, Avengers Forever. Forever? Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is amazing." And the moment I closed, I was like, "None of that made sense." <laughs> I don't know what it means. The thing is, and and since we're talking about music, there's an issue of Astro City where they actually deal with the whole issue is a guy moves to Astro City and immediately his entire block is destroyed by superheroes. And he's like, ah, I can't stand this city. And after you know a couple of days, he realizes that everybody in Astro City is really tightly knit mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they take care of each other and they help out. They love living in the city because, hey, it's awesome. You get to see these heroes in action. It's the center right, of right, everything. Right. Yep. But you know, also we take care of each other because if we didn't, you know, the weekly in alien invasions and destruction would just drive us all crazy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's a really great to. issue. New York, that song on his iPad. Is it? Jay-Z. Yeah. Uh, Empire um, State of Mind. Empire State, Empire State of Mind. Mind. Yeah. yeah. Where were you when I was trying to figure out what in God's name a vampire weekend is? Jeez. It's a really good band. They're actually all from really rich families in New York. There's a girl in Vampire His name weekend. is, uh, no. He's beautiful. There's not, you're thinking of Arcade Fire. Okay, whatever. They played SNL this weekend. I don't know. Vampire. Yeah. Did you watch the music video? It's 22 minutes long. It's three songs. No, but I, I watched The Pretty Girl in a Box, and I'm like, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, that. I don't know bands, but I know the girl, because I know the girl from Lumineers, <laughs> and I know the girl from Arcade Fire. Which one? There's like three. The dark-haired one with a face. Wow. Got an elbow halfway up her Did arm. she play violin or not? Um, She was a singer in a box. Okay. Now you're talking about. Yeah, she's she's pretty awesome. While we're talking about music, let's listen to this comment. Hello there, this is Slappy, and this is in response just to a comment that young Zach made during his uh, number one selection of items that he would like to have removed from movies, and he wanted to remove Hans Zimmer, which I can't really fight that one, getting rid of Hans Zimmer scores, because I've been bored with him for probably at least five to ten years. But with that being said, you really need to start looking at the history of movie scores, Zach, and what has actually gone on. I know you did the Singing in the Rain, which we did not actually get to see, or listen to, rather. But when it comes to the movie scores, you have to keep a few things into consideration, one of which happens to be that the earliest movie scores were with the silent films. So the melody and everything working in through it was extremely important. And some of the work for those silent films that either would have them play along with some sort of record, or in many cases, that's where we ended up having the piano players or somebody else play for those uh, places, maybe in Kansas or Nebraska, that didn't actually have a real movie theater with uh, some kind of phonographic system in there. As the movies developed, then you were really able to see that in uh, Singing in the Rain when you had the uh, piano player become the head of the music department, then that is when you really saw the birth of uh, the composers and the real, real film composers coming in. You had these guys fleeing Germany during the 1930s who were afraid of the Nazis coming in. When they came, like Max Steiner... Uh, Wolfgang Korngold, these guys were went right to Hollywood, and they were creating these beautiful, 
highly textured scores of multiple levels, levels, items that could easily be performed in a symphonic hall. And then as time went on, you did see a little bit of a decline as musical tastes changed. You had a little bit more of a jazz influence through the 1950s, and as the 60s came on, the jazz changed. But you still had always some of that background scoring going on continually of a great length. Then in the late 1960s, you started seeing a little more towards rock and roll, particularly with the proliferation of Elvis Presley and more rock and roll stars of the late 50s and early 60s making their entrances into music until we ended up hitting the 1970s, which I think was probably, in my opinion, where the last of the really big uh, film score composers really kind of came in. You had Jerry Goldsmith going on, and you uh, had John Williams really hitting its stride at this point in time, and they continued into the 1980s, and, well, you can even say for John Williams, he's still continuing, but John, what's going on with them is not what's going on with music anymore. They're a callback to that much older era. And as Danny Elfman left Boingo Boingo and started coming into his own in the 1980s, initially with Huey uh, Herman and then later on with uh, the Batman films, you definitely were able to see that. And he had more of a minimalist approach. There was a lot of very simple things on a low budget. And as electronic music also expanded and the use of the synthesizer, you did see the orchestras getting smaller and the music was getting simpler. Hans Zimmer, the first uh, film that I recall really getting his name, was A Hunt for Red October back in the 1980s. But it wasn't until really the 90s and even the 2000s that his minimalist message going through music was really hitting its stride once again. So you cannot necessarily totally say it's Hans Zimmer, but that general minimalist style, I think, is something you really have to watch out for. Even Iron Man, the original one, um, I think had that minimalist uh, lower-grade style when it came to the actual uh, score, as opposed to them throwing in the ACDC, which kind of helped jumpstart everybody as well in that. But that, take a look over at the history of film in music, and that would be something really interesting to uh, explore as a young uh, director, and how and when to use music in a film is something that you should also double-check. I know some things have been touched on through Zach on film, but you definitely should uh, look into that. Slap you out. Yes, Slap. It is interesting that uh, you didn't get to hear our singing in the rain, because we talked about all of that stuff. In the lost episode, I know. Yeah. It's sad. That was, was a good. Fun I, I really like this. Uh, like this phone call from Slappy is well thought out. It was um, had good information, um, good perspective. Really good phone call. I like to hear phone calls from listeners uh, that go into depth like that and explain and and give some theory and background and all that. Um, so good, 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 good. And now Zach, you do need to go and do some music theory in the movies. Theory. Oh yeah, music. you know we've got. Uh, uh, slappy reference to Sonic movies. We've got uh, Birth mm-hmm. of a Nation coming up on Zach yeah. on film. Oh. For some reason, I was start watching that now. With, uh, start watching it now. I was confusing yes, that with Battle Potemic. Battleship Potemkin. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I was doing that. Uh, because Actually, the only place that anyone ever watches either is in a film theory class. <laughs> <laughs> that is, or that's Zach true. on film. Zach, I want you to understand. Did a you free just hear film what theory happened? class. Steven said Birth of a Nation, and the two men who have been through film classes both went, 
Uh, oh no, uh-huh. even the person that assigned it went, oh. Uh-huh. Because Together. it is. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. We are not going to watch it again, Zach. You're going to have to carry the uh, entire I'm probably, freaking show. I'm, I'm probably going to try. It is I'm going to give iTunes. it a shot. It is on iTunes. Is it, so. is it, is it on Netflix? Oh, yeah, I don't know about Netflix. It is I on know iTunes. It's I, don't on think, I don't think it's on Netflix. Uh, Dude, it's five and a half on, hours. Maybe on Prime. I think it's what, two, no, 160 <laughs> minute? It's a long one. It's like 12 hours. Yeah. Or it feels like it's 12 hours. <laughs> it's at least four. It's actually shorter than uh, his follow-up film, uh, was it Ten Commandments? Death or? of a Nation. Oh, Intolerance. Yeah, Death Intolerance. Um, Intolerance, apparently, the original cut was like 19 hours. Bar Mitzvah of a Nation. Look, I am. There's going to be a lot of jokes <laughs> next week. I'm going to make a list of my favorite birthing of the nation jokes. Mm. Shut up, Oh, is that what you were doing on Twitter? Follow Zach on Twitter, everyone. You can find him at ZWolf. You can find Rodrigo at Fearsome Critter. Um, hashtag... <laughs> what is it? Pow brow. Pow brow. Hashtag pow brow. You can find Matthew over at uh, Mighty King Cobra, and you can, of course, find Major Spoilers at Major Spoilers. We have gone a little bit extra long this week because the government shut down, but we're still going mm-hmm. and going even yeah. further for you. That's what we're here for every week. For you Carrying guys. the load that John Boner won't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. All right, listeners. Next week, and we'll get to. We're going to save some of these emails for uh, future episodes because there's a lot of them, and we just are getting a little long here. But next week, we're going to be taking a look at uh, Superman Red Sun. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Major Spoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Major Spoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Major Spoilers. Find the X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save some bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the rack. And although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic bookstore guy knew, it'd make me wait out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would you bag and board your comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Major spoiler, yeah, 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 yeah. What a major spoiler. Major spoilers is copyright 2013.